0: everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. I am the host Maggie Cavanaugh and today I have the amazing Susan Carter with me today. Susan, thank you for being on the broadcast.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: Well, listen, I'll tell you guys, Susan and I go way back. She is more than just someone I'm interviewing. She's one of my nearest, dearest friends. So it's really so fun to do this with her. And I've been wanting to have her on the show for a long time. But I also know that there's a time and a season for everything. And we're coming up on National Day of Prayer. And what better time to talk to my sister about prayer than right now? Because many people are stuck in the area of prayer. But before we get started, uh, you can look in the chat stream to get information about her bio. But I just want to let you know a little bit about Susan, Okay, Susan is known throughout the community as someone that makes people smile and laugh. And she has a genuine heart for people. I have watched her over the years impact so many people types. and, And she's just one of those joyous people. And I've probably been in 100 restaurants with her. And every single time I'm with her, I always see how she interacts with humanity. And it blesses me to be her friend and to, you know, just see that in, in action. And, you know, many times we see people in ministry and they're one way in ministry in one way, but with Susan, what you see is what you get. <laughs> whether you like <laughs> it or
1: not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whether you like it or not. Susan, thank you for being so real.
1: You're welcome. I can't be anything but real. <laughs>
0: Amen. Amen. So the call to pray is is the honor. And it should be something that all of us as believers are doing on a regular basis. But, you know, I've talked with thousands of people and a lot of times people get so discouraged. They don't know what to pray. They don't know how to pray. And you started a whole house of prayer, but that wasn't your first rodeo with prayer, was it?
1: No, I actually got called into the ministry of intercession probably in like 1984. So I've kind of been at this for a little while, always loved prayer. It was um, very important to me, but I had a real crisis actually probably in 1992, 1993, somewhere in there when, you know, I had been, you know, this prayer warrior always fought, always battled. And then one day the Lord said to me, "Um, I'm not your sugar daddy and I'm not Santa Claus. And you need to learn to love me for what I've already done for you. Um, 2,000 years ago, the work was finished and learn to love me for that. And if I never do another thing for you, basically. And it was a major crisis of my life because honestly, even though I've been this great prayer warrior and I prayed for all these other things, my main focus in prayer is what I wanted and what (laughs) I needed and what I thought should be happening around me. And so I was very selfishly motivated in my prayer. And God basically at that point said, um, get yourself out of the picture, you know? And so I had a crisis. Um, I would say I spent very little time other than crisis prayer for the next few years. Um, but then the Lord really restored my ministry of intercession. And we spent about a year or two where I was literally not allowed to pray for anything for myself. If I'd start praying for myself, i hear the Lord almost say, what are you doing? You know, so I, I did learn how to, to, to subcategorize myself so I could pray like for the whole congregation and things like that, that would fit me in there. But it really gave me a whole different focus on prayer. Really important that, um, that prayer is not about getting things from God. It's about a relationship.
0: Say it again, Susan, say that again. That needs to be highlighted. Yeah.
1: Prayer is not about getting things from God. It's not, it's also not about, um, you know, getting him to do things for us. And the when I first started moving to Murfreesboro, I used to come here and I was spying out the land. And I I just had an encounter with God one morning at um, my friend who I was staying with, Doris Clark, a mighty intercessor who's now gone on to be with the Lord. Um, And the Lord said to me, I will no longer bless the plans of man. I will bless my plan in man. So Mm -hmm. Prayer really needs to, that's probably one of the biggest dramatic changes that I see is we often go to prayer when we just want things and need things, when God wants a relationship with us. And prayer is communication. Prayer is hanging out with God. And so it gives a whole different perspective when we think about his desire is to bless what he wants to do through us, not getting him to bless what we want to do, supposedly for him. And sometimes it's, you know, we think we're doing things for God. God doesn't need us to do things for him. He needs us to do things with him. It's a whole different Mm -hmm. perspective and it brings life and it's, it's life giving when we're doing what he wants us to do. And it's satisfying. We don't find satisfaction apart from the plans and the desires that God has placed in our heart before we were even created on the earth.
0: Wow. That is so true, Susan. And I'm guilty of it myself. There are so many times where I've just gone to the Lord and going, Oh, I need this. I need this. I want that change this. And we, we throw off this list. Of things that we want to see happen, but we don't understand that if we partner with God and what he's doing, then those things are going to happen. But the things that we want God to change are the things that God is using to change us.
1: Yeah. Funny, just this morning um, during our prayer intercession set here at the House of Prayer, perfect example of that. We just were hitting, going for it, praying for our community, praying for the, the tent revival that's happening up in Smyrna. That's so great. and All these different things that are going on. And I felt like the Lord said is, what are you doing with the battering ram in here? You know, but the I- a battering ram. It was like, we came into the heavenlies with the battering ram. And he's like, I just want to see your face. I just want to hang out mm-hmm. with you. So it's just this acknowledging the relationship before asking for a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you don't walk into your boss and say, give me a rage and walk into your boss and you say, look, I've, I've not that God's our boss, but he is. Um, <laughs> but you're know, just like, hey, I, I do this. I do this for you. I work and I work hard and I, I believe I, I need more. And, you know, we always want to just come in and say, give me what I want. When God's like, we have to develop a relationship um, mm-hmm. and nurture that relationship. I mean, sometimes we we get the relationship and then we don't ever nurture it. We just want what we want. We're kind of like babies. When you think about it, they just are constantly demanding what they want and what they need. And they need those things. But there comes a time when you expect that child to walk and you expect that child to be potty trained. And often we live a Christian life going, change my diapers and give me food. And we don't get beyond that. So we got to grow up. No,
0: that's true. Growing up is, you know, and I look at over the years of my personal walk with the Lord and cultivating prayer, my prayers have changed dramatically because my I I just I want his will in my life. And and I'll tell him that I want my will or I want your will, but then my will will rise up. And because I think, okay, God, this is the way it's supposed to look. So, and I think that people get discouraged. You know, they feel like their prayers are not being heard. What would you say to the viewer that feels like their prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? They're not being heard. Wow.
1: Well, it could be why is that not happening? It does, you know, one of the keys might be to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise you know, if you're like, if you're coming into that place and it's all about what I need and not worshiping him, not creating that atmosphere, um, where we're grateful and thankful. You know, we often have a hard time being, we're so, we're so spoiled. We're so blessed in this nation. We aren't often, we're not just thankful and just looking around and and seeing what you're thankful for. I, I love running water. I love, you know, I just love the benefit of that, but many countries still don't have that. So learning how to be grateful um can sometimes, um, if you're not grateful, it can sometimes hinder your prayers. And sometimes prayer's not about it's it's more about changing your perspective. you know, it's it's getting God's perspective about a situation. so so you may be praying about a situation and instead of getting what you think you want, you get another idea. You get a direction to go. So um, instead of instead of constantly trying to get the answer, to something just let God change your heart about what the answer might be because um I think we we ask him things that just can't be you know we ask him things that are we dependent upon other people's lives um, when you when you're constantly praying for someone to get saved yes you want to saturate the atmosphere around them but they still have to partner in that at some point so that's right. really pray more for the for the atmosphere around them, you pray for the circumstances, you pray for them connecting and meeting with people, and you you try to ask God to open doors and avenues into their heart more than just getting their heart. You know, there's yeah. other steps and other things that are really important for them to be able to have the atmosphere to um, submit to the Lord instead of constantly resisting Him. So breaking down. That's so good.
0: That is so good. Breaking down the resistance because God has given everybody a free will. And we know, you know, that there were probably people praying for us whenever we were straight up heathens. okay? but it it takes that, you know, that hard heart and turning it into a heart of flesh at that, you know, and, and many times, you know, people change because of circumstances, but it's short lived unless they acknowledge the creator who wants to heal and restore them in so many areas they don't even know. So that's really good advice. So those of you watching today, I want you to understand what Susan is saying here. She's talking about this is this. OK, this is not like just that, you know, like, please do this. Please do that. Don't, you know, stop this. Did you get that? You know, no, we don't tell God what to do we ask the Lord, what is your will in our life? What does your word say? And I think a lot of times praying the word is very, very powerful Mm -hmm. because of his word, uh, his his word tells us what to do. We think we don't have instructions. I don't know what to do, God. And it's like, open the manual. So what do you think about that? Praying the word of God?
1: Oh, I love praying the word of God. It's one of my favorite things. As a matter of fact, I have a, a, I don't know if it's a bad tendency. It's probably a good tendency, When I find a scripture, like, especially like Ephesians one and two has some great prayers in there that Paul prayed. I'll literally, where, where Paul's saying, I pray that you, I literally cross out the word you and I write we. Um, And so I constantly, cause I, I'm, Uh, One of the keys to the the Pauline epistles was most of them were written to churches. So if you look at them from a plural perspective instead of a me perspective, it'll open up a whole new realm of revelation of what Paul was speaking because he wasn't speaking to one person. He was speaking to many. And so often we look at things like it's just all about me, which that was, you know, my old method of, of thought. It was all about me. And God said, no, it's all about we. You know, we are one together. It is about one, but the one is all of us. So I'll literally rewrite in the Bible where I take a, a pair, an area where Paul has prayed and or even Jesus, the prayers from John um, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'll take those things and I'll write out the words and, and I'll change the words so I can literally read them as a prayer um, current today for the people that I'm around and I'm with and as I'm speaking them I'm praying over them so I love to do that in my bible because it really helps like actually in a prayer meeting because you can't think of changing all those little things in the middle of a prayer meeting when you're doing it but if you have them written in your bible it's already ready for you it's already a prayer for today so that's that's one of my favorites but um book of psalms you know that great that gratefulness he desires a grateful heart you know that's that's so key. Um, still, I, I, I've gotten that from the Lord, you know, just being grateful for everything we have and thankful. And when we're grateful and thankful, you know, it's like a dad when you come to him and you're like, oh, I just threw away that toy that you gave me last week and I want a new toy. And he's like, well, you weren't even thankful or grateful for what you got last week, you know, and we do that constantly. We're always looking for the new thing when we haven't stewarded the last thing that he gave us. And really, prayer is kind of a stewardship when he gives us a word. You know, we, we're we responsible for it. So That's he's given good. that to us and, and we kind of need to, you know, it's like like I said about getting people saved and praying for salvation. You can pray all day long to have the right atmosphere and to have the watering. But if there's no seed planted, where is there going to be a harvest? They still need the seed planted. They still need to connect with people and meet people who will plant the seed in them. We don't, I don't think we plant seed in the spirit, in the in the sense of <laughs> salvation, because people need to hear the word. The word is the seed that goes and changes people. So if they yes. never have the word and, you know, I mean, not that God can't come to them and do some amazing things, but, you know, do it in a in a context of saturating the people with water. But make sure they're getting the seed on that ground, too. Otherwise, you're just watering the ground and it's ready. It's ready for the seed, but it's got to get that seed before it's ever going to grow any fruit.
0: Wow, that's so powerful because it is true and they do need to hear the word. And we know that the word says that faith comes by hearing. And so they have to hear from God, whether they're hearing it from a pulpit or from, uh, you know, a street minister or the word of God or, you know. Television, wherever it is. And so there are so many people that are searching. And the Bible tells us clearly. And for those of you watching that do not know my Jesus, please reach out to me or Susan, or, you know, we would love to talk to you about him because it is a life changing thing. But the Bible is very clear that, you know, Faith comes by hearing, but if you seek, you will find. And this is why, you know, so many uh, atheists have become Christians when they really truly seek, when they really want to know the answer and they go and they do, you know, the, 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 historical research, we know, you know, that lots of it's there, you know, Josephus, who wasn't, you know, he was was not a Christian theologian. He was literally a historian that documented all this stuff. And so when people find out the truth, okay, that it's not a myth, you know, and I think that um, our nation has, we've brought our children up to believe in a bunny rabbit you know, is going to give them money for their tooth. You know, the tooth fairy. And we tell them about Santa Claus and we tell them about all these things. And then we struggle when they don't want to believe Jesus. You Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Who Jesus is. And so we have to get to the point where not only are we praying, but we're speaking the truth in love and, and telling them, you know, listen, This is, you know, that the teaching and prayer go hand in hand. And I think that sometimes when it comes to prayer, there's a saying that more is caught than taught, you know, Mm -hmm. because I know how I've personally grown in the prayer movement, just surrounding myself with people going after God. So for, you know, did you find that when you, because I know you were involved in many house of prayers in Florida before we mm-hmm. got you to see. So listen, viewers, Susan was in Florida. I was in Florida. We ran in the same circles, went to the same conferences, did not know each other until Tennessee. Right. How funny is that? Time in the season for everything. But Susan, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the whole House of Prayer movement and what your heart and vision is for the House of Prayer here in uh, Murfreesboro, Middle Tennessee. For those of you watching um, abroad or wherever you're watching from, there's a, a, a. on YouTube, or not on YouTube, but on Facebook, you can go and watch the live sets and you can see the musicians come in, pouring out their petitions to the Lord through music and prayer taking place. But Susan, tell them how all that started for you.
1: Wow. Well, I'll try to make it concise because it actually is a pretty long story. But, you know, like I said, (laughs) I was already a person of prayer. The Lord had restored my ministry of intercession to me. It got me focused on things other than myself in prayer. And so I had developed um, a much stronger relationship in prayer um, with him. And so I just went to a simple meeting. It was just a citywide meeting in, in Clearwater, Florida, with a wonderful ministry called Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. And they had brought in a speaker called by the name of Terry Takel, who was a Methecostal and had a passion <laughs> for every church to have a place where people could pray 24 hours a day. And there was just something in what he said that just hit me so deeply that um, it just, I knew that that was God's heart. And so not that long after that God moved me from my church that I was in, which I'd been for nine years, he said it was time to leave. And he sent me to another church. He said, I'm going to put you into ministry in this church. Don't tell them any of your skills, just tell them that you pray. So I had done administration and all kinds of other things in churches and worked and taught and Um, But the Lord said, um, no, tell them that you pray. That's the only thing I want you to know on that information card. (laughs) I pray. I'm an intercessor. I want to be involved in prayer. So, which is really important because churches need people to do nursery and they need people to do ministries. And so when you walk in the door and you say you have a skill, they're going to draw on that skill if you're really just jumping into a church. But because I said prayer, they didn't call me for anything except prayer, which was good. You know, because they often think everything else, unfortunately, is more important than prayer because it's, it's, you know, we need somebody to watch the babies. We need someone to do this, but prayer, we can get that done anytime. Yeah, all the time is the right word, not anytime. So <laughs> pray without ceasing, right? So the Lord moved me into this church. Um, I met up with a couple. We were praying for God to bring a place on our church property to pray 24 hours a day. Well, miraculously, our pastor and his wife um, went to IHOP in Kansas City for a conference and our pastor's wife got a vision for a house of prayer on our property. Well, there's so much more to the story than just that, but we were already praying about what to do about a building on our property. The Lord told me when they decide what to do with that property, you will give a $500 offering. So when they came back from this conference and they said, we're going to build a prayer house. And I immediately wrote off my offering check for $500 that day when they shared the the vision, which was Independence Day, 1999. Okay, so that was my sewing into my future that I didn't even know how big it would be, you know, and it was just so cool. Just that little act of obedience there. So in the process, you know, we built a house of prayer that became instead of a church house of prayer, it was a community house of prayer there. It operated for about 20 years. They just recently, sadly, um, tore down the building and they're building other things there. But um, it was the first house of prayer in that style in um, Florida that was, you know, an open to the community. And there's now over 40 houses of prayer in Florida. So that's exciting to be part of that first building that first place. And then um, I worked with the Brandon house of prayer, which called the one thing prayer center. That was a joy and a delight. That was a transitional, the leadership there needed someone just to to help them get through the wall. You know, they were at the place of giving up and I came alongside and helped push them through the, the dark days where you don't think you can make it. And um, and then the Lord led me into Murfreesboro with the desire to have a house of prayer. And he said that my influence in the spirit realm could be greater in Murfreesboro in prayer than it could ever be in Tampa Bay. So mm-hmm. I um, kind of took him up on that challenge, wound up here and believe that we are in a strategic city um, for our nation. Um, one of the prophetic words had been that um, the turning of the tide of the Civil War happened during the battle at Murfreesboro, Stones River. It was during that time that um, President Lincoln signed the Immaculation emac- emac- Proclamation, Emancipation Proclamation. Sorry, it was immaculate. <laughs> but um, the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed the slaves because he felt like they had the oomph underneath them to move forward. And, and President Lincoln himself said if they had not won the battle in Murfreesboro, they surely would have lost the war. So this is a very strategic place for warfare and intercession. And so that's how I wound up here. We've had the Gap House of Prayer opened almost 12 years now. We opened on 090909. And, um, And the confirmation on that was the 99th Psalm has nine verses, which is just crazy to me. So God opened it up on that day, which was also another whole miraculous story, how that happened, because it didn't look like it was going to. But God did it miraculously and beautifully. And so that's how I wound up here. And um, we've just been doing this thing. Love it. It's just a joy and a delight to serve the city of Murfreesboro and the state of Tennessee and the this the, the nation, you know, from this place. It's doing what we're called to do to turn the tide.
0: Wow, that's absolutely a beautiful story. And I, I've i got to watch it all take place. And I actually got to go and worship in Susan's first house of prayer in Florida. And you talk about amazing, 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 amazing. And it it fortunately, it will live on the visual part of it because it was in a movie, wasn't it, recently? What's the name of the movie? Called The Favorite.
1: Um, yes. and, and interestingly enough, the ministry I mentioned, Somebody Cares Tampa Bay, um, that was my introduction into Houses of Prayer. It was the son of the founder of that ministry who was in a horrible car accident and was not expected to live. And it's um, he he wrote the story himself. The son wrote the story in the screenplay himself after he recovered from massive brain trauma. And um, and it's just a beautiful, amazing story of two brothers. And it's a, a godly Christian movie. And um, and it was they've prayed for him in that prayer chapel that he would live. They came around the altar with a group of people and they've actually done some video, took video of that. And that is in the movie. So it is a real joy.
0: Yes. Yes. Whenever I was watching that and I did not know, I knew it was a true story and I knew that someone had written it, but I did not know Uh, Until you told me about the whole brother being connected with the original ministry that you partnered with uh, in that season and, and got that message from how cool is that? It is a great movie. I've seen it. I encourage all of y'all to get it. You know, I am about Christian film. Uh, You definitely need to get it into your library and, and get it as a gift for someone that needs some encouragement. But I think that's so incredibly cool. And I have been blessed to be at all the locations. The location now is located strategically right by middle, Tennessee University. And uh, it is just such a perfect location. Susan, what is it? I know that you, that's, you've always wanted to be closer to the campus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why is that? Tell, Share with the viewers why it's so important to be strategically located uh, in this season.
1: Well, I think um, the fire starts at MTSU. That's what I can say. I know a number of intercessors that have told me that long after I sense that, you know, MTSU is really the heart of shifting the city. So when revival breaks out on the campus at MTSU, it's going to spread throughout this entire city and spread throughout the entire region. Um, It's just a joy. It is the largest undergrad campus. There's over 20,000 undergrad students at MTSU, and that's just a huge number. And And um, we have walked the property. We have worshipped the property. God had us, led us to worship the property, not worship it, but lead worship on it, to walk and just worship God as we walked on the property. And we did that um, one summer, every single day, covered over every building. I said, God, don't you want us to pray? He goes, no, I want you to release worship first. He said, I want you to saturate this ground and make it ready to receive what I have for it. And so we know that that ground there is saturated, just waiting for the outpouring. There's so many wonderful campus ministries. You know, I'm like, Lord, we love the students here, but man, we don't have the capacity to hold that many. So Lord, pour out on these campus ministries, bring in these young people, those who represent you well, God, and let them be filled with students. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing. And, you know, we have some people who go over and do outreach over there that just go and some pray, some Um, Just walk the campus and see if there's anybody they can share the Lord with. It's so exciting. Um, It's just the heart God gave me. I didn't really know why he wanted us at the campus, um, but that's the heart he gave me. And so we're there, and we do feel it's very strategic for our region. And there's international students. There's like 170 different nations represented at MTSU by students from international countries. And I think that is just amazing, because instead of us having to go out to the world, the world has come to us right here in the heart of Middle Tennessee, where we can share the gospel with people from Nigeria and people from Australia and people from Zimbabwe, you know, and it's just so exciting that then they can go back and transform their nations. So it's strategically located to impact the entire world and not just our city and our state, it literally can impact the entire world. And it's just really cool.
0: Okay. So I, I, we, we could talk about prayer all day long, but I know we're running close on time and I want to respect your time and the viewers time, but uh, I do want to ask you about the importance of praying governmentally, because I know that is something near and dear to your heart. And uh, can you share with the average, um, you know, and when I say average, listen, I'm not saying y'all are average. I'm talking about me and everyone else, people that are not necessarily, I mean, you know, those of us that pray, we need to know how to pray for our country and how to pray for our local government our you know, national government, how to pray in that area. Can you give us a few tips while I've got you on here today?
1: Wow, that's a pretty large subject to try to cover yeah. in just a moment. But the word does say that we're supposed to pray for those in authority. Yes. So um, I always pray for wisdom for our leaders. I pray for divine guidance. Um, I pray that their minds would be renewed, that the Lord would intervene. I pray a lot for Um, first responders that they would be protected. It is a difficult time in our nation right now, and our government probably needs more prayer and is probably honestly getting less. Um, But we need to continue to lift up our leaders of our nation, pray that their hearts would be transformed by the light and the life of Jesus Christ, and um, just continually saturating that atmosphere and asking God to raise up leaders from this next generation that would serve him love him and walk in his authority and really there's only two spirits in the earth that that matter in my opinion i mean certainly you have to deal with others but over governmentally you have the christ spirit and the antichrist spirit and and it's often that most all of all of the world has unfortunately bowed to the antichrist spirit and is being operated and don't even have a clue because if you're not If you're not with the Christ spirit and walking in the and not bowing down, you'll never be able to make the kind of change that we as the body of Christ want to see. You know, pray your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. And so praying that over our nation, praying for our leaders, praying for the Supreme Court, you know, praying for any shifts and changes that they would be godly um, and goodly. And um, like I said, it's just it is a hard season. It's hard to be encouraged to pray when you see so many changes, but be repentant, you know, repent for our nation, repent for the sins of our nation. I mean, we can take that on and come before the Lord as an intercessor. That's what an intercessor does. They come before the Lord. It says uh, the reason we have the name, the gap house of prayer is because we stand in the gap on behalf of the land, you know, and the Lord calls us to stand on behalf of the land. So coming in, in, corporate repentance, forgiveness. Please, God, forgive us for the sins of our nation. Forgive us for abortion. We released a culture of death on our land by by agreeing with abortion and allowing it in our land. And it's just an absolute heartbreak in God's God's eyes. So, you know, just asking him for mercy on our land is probably one of the most governmental important prayers, is taking that place of intercession for our nation.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, it reminds me, as you were saying, that it reminds me of Lou, Eagle, Lou Engel's prayer, um, you know, in Abortion, Sin Revival to America. You know, he talks about pleading your blood over my sin and the sins of my nation, because our nation is a selfish nation. Um, I am, you know, I love the United States, but like you said earlier, there are third world countries that, you know, they don't have all of the things that we have. And, you know, we take so much for granted. And even people that are not Christians, born again Christians, they can operate in in gratefulness and see the fruit because it's a biblical principle. And so it is so important that we are grateful for even the bad seasons as well as the good, you know, because we learn from them and the hard times and so forth. I mean, my life has been pretty much a train wreck most of it. But the reality is, is that... I don't know that I would be the woman I am today had there not been all those breakdowns on the side of the road. You know what I'm saying? So God uses everything. And many times people get discouraged and they don't want to pray because they're like, God didn't change this situation or allowed me to go through this and go through that. But I'm, I'm telling y'all today, Prayer is powerful. Prayer is communicating with God. And that's why I wanted to have Susan on today. And we're going to have over the next couple of months, we're going to have other people talking about prayer because we have got to get this right. We have got to communicate with the Father. We cannot just go in and stamp our card on Sunday and say, I went to church and I'm a Christian and so forth. We are living at times where communicating with him is got to be the number one thing so that we know how to survive during these trying times. And uh, and he's faithful and he's good. And this is something that's happening every day at the Gap House of Prayer in Middle Tennessee, over by MTSU. Uh, I'll put the link in the broadcast. So those of you that are watching this on social media, you can just click on the link. If you're watching this on Creative Motion Network, Susan, tell them what the website is.
1: Just gaphop.com or gaphop.org, I believe is also working. Um, And yeah, just come to our website and just learn more about the prayer movement and um, just what God has done in the past and what he's going to do in the future. Literally, history belongs to the intercessor. That was a book written. And it's just true. You know, we are praying through what's going on in our nation. And I just I'm so excited to be a part of it and just. One of the scriptures the Lord, I just think, wants me to remind his children of is he is the yes and we are the amen. That's um, from Corinthians. And so Mm -hmm. when he's the yes and we're the amen, he is the I want this done and we're the so be it. So, you know, learning to pray what God desires, what his plan is, because he has created a relationship where he works with us in co-laboring. So we have to come into agreement with what he desires, being the so be it on earth Mm -hmm. and watching him do miraculous things in our region and in our cities and in our nation.
0: And it all starts with amen, guys, just, you know, get your assignment, get your call and say, amen. So Susan, if I could ask you to leave the viewers with the key, um, it can be anything that you feel led to share, but I do believe that um, I personally understand um, the importance right now of us to be praying and i i think that many of you all watching get that too But I think that there is something that, you know, it reminds me of the scripture that one can send a thousand to flight and two can send 10,000 to flight. It reminds me that we need to be not only praying individually, but we also need to be praying corporately. And I know that you would agree with that because you've created an atmosphere where people can come and they can, they can go in a quiet room by themselves and pray, or they can be with a group of prayer and worship and the powerful connection between uh, worship and prayer and just how it goes hand in hand and. Uh, that's one of the things y'all I love about the house of prayers. There are so many young and and young and old, you know, there's a very diverse group of people that come and worship the king and glorify mm-hmm. him. And that's where I think sometimes we're looking at ourselves in the world and everything we're going through and we're worshiping our, our own junk. We're worshiping, you know, what is, what is CNN say? What's Fox saying? We're worshiping. We're spending more time looking at circumstances than going to the one who has the answer. So what would that key be, Susan? Any key um, that you have for the viewers?
1: Well, I'm going to give two quick keys. It says that God keeps worshipers. So, one mm. thing that's really important in our part, in our word, in our prayer is worship, being a part of our prayer relationship with the Lord. The second is, He also says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send harvest, harvesters into the labor, laborers into the harvest field. So, you know, that's another important part praying for missions, praying for things that God is doing in the earth that He would bless it and continue it, and just um, partnering with Him. To bring forth, we we need a harvest in our land. We need a great outpouring and a revival in this day, in this hour. It is dark and we need, is gross darkness. And we need that light rising up. And we need to be that light. We also need to pray for others who are the light, that they would release the light also. And I just think that that's just really super key. It's praying for the Lord of the harvest to bring laborers into the harvest field and bring forth this harvest. Don't say it's four more months until the harvest is ready. He says, lift up your eyes today.
0: It's now, it's time. It's time for us to see a harvest in the land. Wow, that is so good. Thank you, Susan, for sharing that. For those of you that do not know, Susan also has a ministry called Release the Light. And she is a speaker, teacher, uh, and she's so impactful. And if you would like to have her visit your church or talk about the prayer movement or have her on your podcast, please reach out to her because she is just full. I mean, we there's no way we could capture in 30, 35 minutes all of the nuggets that this woman has. But I am so grateful and thankful to have her personally in my life. And I wanted her to share, I wanted to share her with you guys so that you could understand the heart and the power behind the movement of the House of Prayers. And I'm so grateful to you, Susan. Thank you so much for being on the broadcast. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Oh, my goodness. We can listen, y'all. Prayer is powerful and things shift and change with prayer. But it's got to be about him and not about us. And the more that we yield to his will in this season, the more we're going to see take place. So I'm super honored uh, to be with you guys today. And I look forward to seeing you next week right here on Keys to Your Best Life. God bless.